This is Channel 253. Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Jenny Jacobs and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. I'm Jenny. I'm Doug. And we are the Citizen Tacoma podcast, empowering an informed electorate. I thought we were informing an empowered electorate. In in the the city city of destiny. Jenny. Today's podcast, we have Tanisha Jumper, who works on the uh, Tacoma 2025 plan, as well as another job. She has a very long title. I will let her tell you it when we get started. But I just want to say this is a really positive episode and quite a pick-me-up after last week's depression. This is just one of those podcasts where I go, wow, that person's cool. Wow, they're doing great stuff. Yeah, and I feel so good that she's working so hard to make Tacoma an even better place. Listen in. Welcome to Citizen Tacoma Podcast. Hi. Hi. Glad to be here. Today I have Tanisha Jumper on, and I'm going to have her, she's a very lengthy and important business lady title that I would like her to say, because I don't want to mess it up. So please tell us how you serve our fair city. All right. Well, I am the Interim Director of Media and Communications, um, and I am also the Manager of Strategic Planning for the City of Tacoma, um, responsible for the implementation of Tacoma 2025. And what is Tacoma 2025? Well, Tacoma 2025 um, is a vision and also um, the framework for our strategic plan. And so in, um, they started sometime in um, uh, January of 2014, before I got here, with a big community engagement process where they invited about 2,000, two to 3,000 residents of Tacoma to give input on like what would they want Tacoma to look like in 2025 and um, worked with some consultants to come up with what is posted on the website as Tacoma 2025. The first act of the plan was to hire someone full-time to implement the plan, and that is me. I was hired. I um, (laughs) I came back to this area. I'm originally from this area, but have been away in Ohio for a very long time and was recruited back here to implement the plan. Wow. That's a lot of responsibility. It is. (laughs) You are aware. Yes. (laughs) That's a big job. So who, I I know you said two to 3,000 people provided input, but who ultimately made this plan? So they worked with different groups. They had people who could could provide input via the web. They had people who came in and did interviews. They had big group meetings. So it was lots of different citizens. We had our partners, so people from the hospital systems, people from Metro Parks, um, just a variety. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was it's the list is huge, and Mm -hmm. it's kind of all the usual suspects and a lot of um, not usual suspects that were part of the process of building the plan. And they went through lots of different work sessions and said, okay, what do you mean by a healthier community? What do you mean by the built environment? What do you mean by these things? And um, the consultants kind of organized it by those. um, Originally, there was like seven large areas Mm -hmm. and they had um, kind of what success would look like under all those areas. When I got here, after reading the plan, I was like, well, this is a really good vision. It sets a really good picture of what people want, but it doesn't tell us how to get there. How? And yeah. it doesn't really establish concrete goals for us to kind of work through. And so mm-hmm. um, 
the council established an 11 member um, committee and I could give you all their names if I think really hard about it. Um, <laughs> I have it here. Um, it's it's a document from 2015, so these people have changed. But it well, would have been the council. The, the council, and then yeah. So it's the here, it's actual, here. the committee is not in there oh, because not. they okay. were established after after this document. After this was there was created. a there was a planning a core planning group that's in mm-hmm. there, and some of the people from that group, like Lois Bernstein from MultiCare and Emily Hall from um, the Executive Council, they came over to be on the implementation kind of team. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Christina Walker from Downtown on the Go. Um, Eric Jackson from um, Pastor Eric Jackson Jackson from um, Bethlehem Baptist Church. Um, we have Leslie Young, who's just a, a kind of a community advocate on the um, east in, on the east side. Um, see, now I'm naming people. I'm gonna forget people. Um, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Corbett Mosley. Um, yeah. Just like kind of a wide You're range of several people. previous podcast guests. Oh, that's so awesome. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. So they, so this group has um, helped me to take what's in the document and really establish five goal areas, and so that five goal area is like the new kind of implement, like what we're using to implement. And so some of the ways I've done that is I've worked with each of the departments of the city to really say, okay, so what could you do in ten years? to help us achieve this vision. Hmm. I think why this document and why this work is cool. So I spent most of my career in working in community, doing like um, working with nonprofits. I worked at United Way in Ohio for a long Mm -hmm. time as vice president of community impact. So I like these big projects where it's like getting a lot of people together to work towards it. And I think what's cool about this and what kind of sealed the deal of like, yes, I'm going home is um, that this plan wasn't about the city with the big C. It's really about the city with the little C and what Mm. they want and what the city's role in creating that is, not the city setting a vision and then doing what they were going to do anyways to make it happen. So, Yeah, that's really cool. So what are these five things? Can you tell us? Civic engagement, um, education, livability, equity and accessibility, an economy and workforce. So really like broke it down into what do people really want? So in livability, it's about like having complete and compact communities where people can get around, where people aren't spending more than 45% of their income on housing or transportation. Mm. Like really like measurable goals. Measurable goals. <laughs> um, in um, civic engagement is that people feel like they have an influence over what happens in the government, that the boards, commissions, leadership reflect the community, things like that. Um, in education, it's about how many people are graduating from high school, how many people are going on to get some post-secondary and completing that, and how many people, once they do that, can find jobs and stay in this community. Um, so under... Um, Economy and workforce. It's really about how many people um, get li- how many livable j- livable wage jobs do you have in Tacoma? But that's not enough. How many people in Tacoma can get those livable wage jobs? So it's really about right. like the standard, and then the drill down of like how does it actually affect the people who live here every day? Hmm. So. so- do you work directly then with, say, the city council and how they're going to actually make change in these areas? Yes. How does what does that look like? So um, I, for, since I've been here, so this is my third year. Um, I facilitate the council retreat. 
and help oh, them cool. to think about what their priorities are and how they align to the larger priorities. Like I said mm. before, I've worked with all the departments so that they have a clear vision of how their work aligns to right. um, the vision. And then I am just starting to go out and work with our community partners. So I think next week I go to Metro Parks Board and kind of give them the overview. been working with TPU and giving them the overview so that there's alignment across organizations. And so um, I think last week's study session, um, we did a presentation on anchor institutions, which is looking at like the nine big institutions in the city Mm. and how we might be able to work with them. So like the hospitals, the universities, the technical college, the community college, the school district, like how can we all work together to align ourselves to these goals as well? And if we were all working on making sure people had livable wage jobs, that would move a lot faster than if the city of Tacoma is just talking about it because we only right. have a certain amount of people we can employ. But mm. if we can get our partners to all agree that this is really important yeah. and hiring local is really important, like how do we make that happen? Some of those things are hard because we have rules and regulations and all this other stuff that kind of gets in our way. Mm-hmm. But collectively, if we can think about it, I think there's a way for us to be able to move those things forward. So. Yeah, I have to admit, I didn't know what this was until I met you at the uh, (laughs) Metro Parks luncheon and then started researching it. And it really made me feel good that this exists and that, like, ideally, we're all working towards these goals. Yeah. Um, I had, I, I, I interviewed everybody running for everything in 2017 and kind of a, um, uh, you know, the challenger position seemed to be Tacoma doesn't have a plan and I'm going to make a plan for Tacoma. Right. And, um, <laughs> I kind of now I'm realizing like, huh, this has been around since 2015. Apparently there is a plan. There is so, a plan. I think um, what people have um, maybe what they're used to. So one strategic planning um, typically is pretty boring yeah. and typically consists of someone sitting in a room somewhere and like writing it up and putting in a binder and then distributing it through the group and then being like, done. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, the plan is done. <laughs> yeah. Please consult your plan. binder. Please, yes, exactly. <laughs> I've taken a different approach because I do, I mean, I guess this is a podcast and lots of people can hear it, but that's okay. I'm kind of an infiltrator, so I'm not like your typical <laughs> government employee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not your typical um, city, you know, government employee. I came from the the nonprofit world and spent yeah. most of my time there. And so I look at this as like people shouldn't expect government to fix all these problems alone because they can't. Right. And government can't be insulary and think that they've got to figure out the answer to these things. So this plan really forces us to kind of figure out what our role in making these things happen and open our doors to allow other people in to help us to do that. Mm-hmm. And you can't put that in a binder. It's, yeah. You kind of have to be boots on the ground. Like, let's just go ahead and have the, the awkward conversations. Let's throw some ideas out there that are, no one's ever done it before yeah. or Identifying the barriers. Identifying where those things are that are getting in the way. Yeah. And then let's just figure out where we can do, you know. um, So this happened while T.C. Broadnax was the city manager. And and he was kind of like, well, you know, I want this. I want a five-year plan. I want a five-year forecast. And I was like, I don't know that it can happen that way. I mean, I guess for me personally, I will feel like I was successful if we are making all the strides to make those things happen by 2025, because it's really about changing how we think about 
what our role is in creating mm-hmm. the community that we all want to live in. So, hmm. you know, it's, I don't know. I love that this exists. <laughs> um, for everyone listening, um, it is easily uh, locatable on the interwebs. Just uh, search t- Tacoma 2025. It's 48 pages long, but there are a lot of pretty pictures, so yeah. don't be afraid. Um, and soon there will be a web, a web page okay. where you can go and you can see what we're doing, who our partners are, how our boards and commissions are linked to it, and what data we have to say if we're making progress. So that'll probably be, we'll probably be launching that sometime towards mid to end of, I don't know, I've had a lot on my plate. Yeah. So yeah. it was supposed to be done already, but at probably March, early April, it will be mm. out there and it really will be an interactive website where People can kind of get information, post what they're doing that's connected to the goals, um, really be able to kind of keep up with what's going on with the plan. So I'm excited about that. Opportunities for getting involved. Yeah. Good. So something that I wondered, um, especially related to kind of some of the comments that uh, people looking to be elected officials made about Mm -hmm. whether what Tacoma's plan was. Um, I wondered about how this affects um, decisions. How how does this guide policy when it comes to like industrial uses at the port, for example, and the kind right. of things that the the community is fired up about? How does this relate to that? So there is a lot of of language in the the vision document that talks about like environmental uses and, and you know being good stewards of our environmental things and i think what this plan does more than anything is get us recentered on okay so this i think what people don't understand about city government is that we have multiple constituents and multiple people and they rarely want the same things hmm. and so we we have to figure out a way to be responsive without swinging too far one way or another because right. certain decisions might really help one group of residents but harm another group of residents so this document kind of serves as like a lighthouse of like this is what people told us they wanted. Mm-hmm. And so how does this line up against what people said they wanted? Yeah. You know, and some things line up in different places. So, yes, this creates jobs, but maybe it's not, you know, fit other people's idea of what's environmental stewardship. Mm-hmm. Where's the balance? But it allows us to have it in a conversation, not just based on like what we think yeah. or what a few people think, but mm-hmm. in this larger context of like, Residents told us this is what they want. And so we have those conversations a lot. I mean, people... People might not believe it, but yeah. inside of, <laughs> inside of uh, the municipal building, there's a lot of conversations. So, well, what did they say in 2025? Well, what did you know? Well, I think that we should do it this way because residents said they wanted this, and so it it really has become a way that we filter information. Um, so it doesn't set like a strict policy that says you will not do, but it, yeah. it, it creates a space for us to say, well, yeah, some people really wanted livable wage jobs, mm-hmm. but a lot of people also wanted us to have a clean, safe environment. Yeah. Is there a way we can get both? If yeah. we can't, what's the trade off? Mm-hmm. And is it really worth it in the long run? And mm-hmm. I think those are the conversations people don't see. Yeah. Um, as the interim director of media and communications, I don't know that we've always <laughs> done the best job of communicating all the thoughts and processes that go into some of our decisions. And I think yeah. probably for people who are just watching us, they think 
where did they come up with that? They don't yeah. realize there was like hours and hours and hours and meetings and meetings, people. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean? meetings and meetings and meetings to to come to some of the conclusions that we come to. So you you mentioned a figure forty five percent of your income, mm-hmm. and that's for transportation and housing. housing. Where are we now in Tacoma? <sighs> this is one of the areas that we have a huge, huge challenge, yeah. um, and um, I don't have this. The, the numbers off the top of my head, but we know there's a few things that we know. We know that we're at about 11,000 unit deficit in affordable housing units. Um, when yeah. you look under about a 60% AMI, um, we also what know- What does AMI mean? Um, area median, median income. Okay. Um, and we know that we that number is going up because we know that the rents are going up and up and up and the housing prices are going up and up and up. And so that's why there's been such a big focus on um, transit-oriented development and, like, trying to find, like, micro-units that are adjacent to uh, bus routes or mm-hmm. blink light rail, those kind of things. That's what's driving those decisions is that we know it used to be, like, just a straight 30% of your income on rent. Mm-hmm. But we know that, like, if you can reduce people's transportation costs, mm-hmm. then that frees up money for them to pay on housing. Mm-hmm. So that's why places like San Francisco and New York, they're so heavily um, dependent on public transportation because they can't control the housing costs. So they yeah. invest in the transportation costs so that people have some flexibility in their income. And so there's some economic drivers that the city can't do anything about. I mean, we can't do yeah. rent control or anything like that because it's illegal in the state of Washington. Yeah. So it's like, what can we do? Yeah. Well, if we can't control what a person decides to charge for rent in their apartment, like for their house or their apartment or their, you know, yeah. rental unit, we can focus on some of the transit options and make getting around easier so people could opt to not have a car and not have insurance, which would then free up money to pay on their house. Right. I mean, we're working on other things. We're, we're trying to figure out how do we build more affordable units. We're trying to figure out, you know, are there other options that we haven't thought of yet to help mm-hmm. reduce rental costs? But I mean, that is really one of those places where people expect us to do something yeah. that there's not a whole lot we can do. If it's your property, we mm-hmm. can't tell you you can't charge. Yeah. And if you can find someone who's going to pay it, that's probably what you're. I mean, it's probably what you're going to do. You're <laughs> not going to decide. Not everybody. Yeah. But there are people who are like, well, I can make more money. I'm going to yeah. make more money. And so we had to find the balance. And housing prices going up and values of home going up isn't a bad thing for everybody. Mm-hmm. There's some people who bought a house for that very intent. Right. And so slowing that. Again, that thing of like mm-hmm. what is good for one person might be infuriating for another yeah. person. It's like this constant balance of us trying to figure out what's the right dosage of any type mm-hmm. of policy, regulation, whatever, to get most people what they need, knowing yeah. that it's never going to be satisfactory to everybody. Are you- uh, well, housing <laughs> makes me think of homelessness, which is something that is, you know, nobody benefits from. So yeah, I was wondering how that figures into the plan. So in the part in in the vision document, it talks about um, access to services, and so trying to figure out like what's the what's the right number of shelter spaces we need. What's the right number of um, you know we we do a lot of investment. We increased our investment to like I think it's ten million that we spend on homelessness and homeless related services, mm-hmm. but that's still I mean. This is a huge problem. And so when we look at how do we ensure that 
occasions of homelessness are rare, brief, and non-repeating. It's like, how do we, how do we think about how we, we set those things up? I mean, it's just not an easy answer. And as we become more um, data-driven and really mm-hmm. letting the numbers tell us where our problems are, and, and, and the numbers around homelessness are pretty uh, scary, and, yeah. and, it, and there's not a simple or a cheap answer. And I think that's, you know, there's people like, well, do something about it. And I'm like, do, do yeah. you realize that's like a yeah. $30 million problem and right. you don't have $30 million? <laughs> it, it seems almost unsolvable. I mean, I feel like it's hard for someone, you know, who can pay to find a two-bedroom apartment in Tacoma right Absolutely. now, much less somebody who doesn't have resources or doesn't have resources, a has phone a mental health or issue, mental health issues, has or, a bad yeah. credit or criminal record. I mean, all of these things make housing harder and harder and harder, and especially in a city where you have like a 2% vacancy rate. Mm-hmm. So landlords get to choose from a plethora of people to yeah. rent. Why would you take the risk on the most risky person? Mm-hmm. And we, so we have to figure out but how do people we... people still need somewhere to live. Exactly. And so is the role of the city to build housing? Is the role of that city to support someone who wants to provide housing to, to a higher risk person? Like we're trying to figure out where's the best, where do we have the best and most useful impact in that whole spectrum of things that need to happen. But again, this is not some place where the government's going to figure it out. I mean, a lot of the cities I've been researching over the last year that have come up with good plans, it has been churches. It has been philanthropy. It's been some guy who's got a gazillion dollars who says, I'm going to buy this plot of land and I'm going to make it into a compound for people that are homeless and all the service providers are going to come and help. Like mm-hmm. those are, that's how some of this is being solved <laughs> other places. If any of gazillionaires are listening. Yes, Tacoma just call me. Your help. <laughs> um, one of the things, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, our podcast network is Channel 253 and we mm-hmm. put on these adult civics happy hours. Yep. And um, we've had a couple on housing. And one of the things that I learned at one of those that I thought was an interesting factor is that it costs the same amount to build something in Seattle as it does in Tacoma. Yep. And you can get a lot more money for it in Seattle. Yep. So why would you bother building something in Tacoma? Yep. So what can our city do to try to counteract that imbalance? I wish I knew the answer to that problem. I mean, we that's what we've been trying to figure out, like what incentive packages could we put together that would make that work for someone understanding that it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't pencil. pencil. Yeah. And and especially when we're talking about how do we address like the homeless or the workforce housing. So we're asking someone to build. Typically when when the city talks about affordable housing and they do like the uh, study sessions and stuff like that and we're presenting affordable, we're usually talking about 80% of AMI, mm. which that's why people are like, that doesn't sound affordable because yeah. it's still on the high end. When you're talking about 60, 30 to 60% of AMI, you're asking someone to build a unit that they could build the exact same unit in Seattle and get three times what would be affordable at 60 to to 30% of a 30 to 60% AMI. So mm. it, it is really is a, there hasn't been a city who has proactively, well, I haven't found them yet. So again, we're on yeah. a podcast. <laughs> if you know of one, please call me. Um, there haven't been a lot of cities that have proactively been able to mitigate these things. Yeah. Most places where they have really good strategies it's already happened and they're implementing the strategy to counterbalance it. So like the, the San Francisco's and the Oakland's and, mm-hmm. and the New York's, like 
they put in rent control because it was already out of control. Like right. it wasn't like it. They did that ahead of ahead of, ahead of it yeah. or ahead of everybody being displaced. It happened after the fact. And so hmm. we're trying to figure out what are the and there's a group of cities. Like so we were selected not last year, but the year before that to be part of um, Bloomberg's What Work Cities. Mm-hmm. And that is where really being data focused and getting so there's a cohort of people from Tacoma that go and work with other cities to try to figure some of these things out and figure out what's what's a what's a maybe not a best practice yet, but yeah. that's working somewhere else and how are we tracking data and how are we using that data to predict what's happening and what's you know, I don't think probably five years ago any cities were talking about predictive analytics, but like what's the predictive analytics? Like what are the things you need to be tracking to know that this thing is going to happen? And at what point do you stop using a multifamily tax credit? And what time do you flip it to another one? Because you want to spur development, but Mm -hmm. you don't want to be giving away things for free. Like So it's like all these like Mm trade-offs that we're actively working with other groups, other cities trying to figure out. Yeah, I feel like I hear people say all the time, like, oh, we're turning into Seattle or, oh, we're turning into Portland or, you know, yeah. we need to learn from Oakland or all of that stuff. But I, I don't I don't really know what that actually means, because um, if some rich person wants to build some fancy condo on a block in Tacoma, like we're going to say yes. And we're going to say yes to the next one and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Like right. you can't solve that future problem now, like just like you were saying, you yeah. know, Ooh, and and. It's not like there's not people in Tacoma who want fancy, nice condos. Yeah. So it's not like we can just be like, no fancy, nice condos in Tacoma. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And, yeah. and if we want the, I mean, the the weird, um, it's like the duplicity of the problem. It's like, you know, Portland just passed a huge housing, affordable housing measure. Mm-hmm. But there's the argue, there's an argument that, they were able to do that because basically all the people that would be really bothered by the tax increase have already been displaced. So it's yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the kind of the people who could absorb that type of tax burden voted yes. You know what yeah. I mean? But but in Tacoma, we don't have that strata. We, we have a lot of middle income, you know, people that are just barely hanging on. So if you say, well, we want to pass this huge thing and we want you to increase your taxes, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like yeah. you're going to put me in the boat that you're trying to help people that are already in the boat, yeah. you know. So we have to we have to be really thoughtful about these things. And and I when I talk to people in the community, I'm always like, you know, instead of coming with like the city's not doing enough, they need to do more. It's like. How do we create spaces where we can really have just genuine conversations about this stuff, understanding that nobody's going to get 100% of what they want? Mm-hmm. If we all come out with about 60% of what we want, yeah. we should be really freaking happy. Yeah, and like, exactly, you know what I mean? right? And it's like, that is, that's the space that I think, you know, politics and government and all it's become so contentious and so much of like a us against them kind and of like thing. Purity politics. Kind exactly. Of thing, right? You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> if we could just create spaces where we could just really talk about what the issues are mm-hmm. and really come to a common understanding about what the trade offs are on both sides of an issue. Yeah. Then we could have some better conversations about what to do about it. So one of my favorite um, pet issues is ADUs. <laughs> so um, I feel like a common thought, I guess, in housing is that more housing is better for everyone, even if it is fancy condos, because like all the people who want to live in the fancy condos can give up their, you know, regular split levels right, and, right. and like somebody can move into that and on the way down. Right. So 
I am somebody who's, you know, what we're calling a yimby these days. <laughs> I mean, I, I want density. I believe in density. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been asking everybody, like, how do I get an ADU? I live in the North End. Who can I ask for that? Who can I? <laughs> well, what's my what's my path here? <laughs> um, so you have to go through planning and development services. Yes. Um, I could give you a person's name, but I don't want to give it on air. Okay. <laughs> she, she might be very mad at me. Um, but, I mean, we are trying to think through that, through that yeah. issue and how do we do that. And we know that's one of the ways. We, we were talking earlier today about, but if everybody who could do it did it, would that still solve our problem? Probably, Probably not. not. And it would require all of the all of my neighbors to decide that the housing crisis was a more important issue to address than street traffic parking, <laughs> parking. <laughs> you know like exactly uh, but if we got rid of all the cars then that wouldn't be a problem exactly <laughs> we can get that light rail built yeah so that's that's what i think that's what and you people like get kind of fixated on one issue and they're like yeah. well there's like five others that it you know it, yeah it, it impacts you know and, right um but i mean we really, since I've been there, I mean, we don't, we haven't really like just taken anything like, nope, absolutely not. It's like, yeah. okay, we could do that, but what about, what about, what about, mm-hmm. what about? And somewhere in that, what about, there's a problem that's like, yeah. that one's going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's shelf this till we can figure out that problem. Yeah. And then, oh, but when this happens, then it's going to yeah. free us up to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But I mean, we have a pilot program now. We're looking at how the, the ADU pilot program could be expanded. Mm-hmm. Um we know it is a viable option. We don't know how much impact it has over the overall problem. Right. And then we also have the, you know, if someone wants to build an ADU, do they have the resources to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the things that we could do to maybe support that or help that? Is that viable? Yeah. And again, if we did that and everyone who could do it did it, does that put 20 units? Or is yeah. it 100 units? <laughs> yeah. Or is it... You get 20 units, but, you know, an entire neighborhood hates your guts now. Like, exactly. It's, like, it's exactly. kind of, yeah. Yeah. So what can you tell me about that you're most excited about that this plan is directing right now? Um, I honestly think some of the most exciting work is around the anchor institutions, and that's really getting, like, UW, UPS, like all these groups that we're just, we're in the very beginning. And so there's no like, we're going to do this thing, but Mm -hmm. we're having real conversations about how do you invest locally? Um, If you listen to the study session from the 27th, February 27th, we go into depth about what anchor institutions are and what that work does. But it's so exciting that nine of your largest employers and kind of your kind of mm-hmm. your anchors that are going to be here like think about investing in the community in a different way yeah um, instead of just supporting events and nonprofits and stuff like that but really thinking about like where do I buy my pencils and is there a way that I could buy my pencils that is investing in Tacoma and employing people in Tacoma and you know and so mm. there's really exciting work so there shift in thinking yeah and I'm really excited about that. Um, is, is any of that in response to chasing after Amazon? Hmm. <laughs> or maybe not Amazon in particular. Like maybe it's about it's it's the idea that we're constantly always chasing people. external. Yeah, and then we're at their whim. If we think about how we invest locally in a different way, we get to be in control of 
the city of destiny versus, you know, yeah. other people setting our destiny for us. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think that is really exciting. Um, yeah. I also think just, and it, maybe people can't see it right now, but I think if people can just be patient, they will see a different kind of response and a different way of addressing issues coming out of the city because we're thinking about our work different. And that's not something tangible that I can point to. Mm -hmm. I just know the conversations are different. The work that we're doing is different. The, you know, the way that the directors are working to kind of think cross-functionally about their jobs, like all of that is coming from us just having a different way of thinking about our work, thinking about data, thinking about what we're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And I think if citizens or residents knew how much they were in the center of those conversations, they would maybe be a little nicer sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) It's always hard when you're facing a lot of criticism when you're working really hard. I, I understand. Um, I mean, we tend to have. When you say things are different, do you mean like since Victoria Woodard's was elected, or since this one is enacted? She's amazing. Um, (laughs) She's amazing. I, I think. I think it was happening before that, though. I yeah. think I think the, you know, Mayor Strickland had a real vision of like how she wanted Tacoma to be too, mm-hmm. and I think she set us on the path. And I think, um, you know, TC kind of put us on the right path to get there. And then mm-hmm. Elizabeth is continuing that work. And then, you know, Mayor Woodards is just you know, she loves Tacoma and it radiates in pretty much everything she does. And so mm-hmm. that catapults us to do even more and I mean I think our new council is it's it's different and good and mm-hmm. and not that the old council was bad it's it's just a different energy and, and there's a lot of new people new so they, they, <laughs> they want to get things done you know yeah. so there's a certain energy so it's like how do we let this plan direct that energy in a way that gets what we all are kind of working for so I think it's just always good to have a game plan Mm -hmm. and it helps everybody kind of row in the right direct you know in the same direction and not have you know our boats all over you know (laughs) all over the place so yeah, like I said, I was really, I, I feel badly that I didn't know this existed, but I'm very happy to know that it does. <laughs> it, is, it is okay. There's a lot of people that are like, I, I didn't know that was a thing. And, and I'm like, well, that's it's 2018 <laughs> and this was made in 2015. And I like to think I'm fairly aware of things, but apparently not. So um, how can you, if you were to give kind of an overall vision of what 2025 looks like? as in your position as media director, you must have to like elevator pitch this sometimes. Like what, what yeah. does it say? So, I mean, I think when you go back to the five goals, it's like that Tacoma will be livable, that people will be able to afford to live here and they will um, have access to services and, and, and the things that they need to have a really good quality of life. So being healthy and all of that, mm-hmm. um, that will be educated and that there will be, We'll have educated workforce and that lifelong learning will become like a priority for us and that um, we will have a, a more child-centered kind of community focus of like around education, um, that that our leadership and our things, you know, will reflect the community and that there will be a seat at the table for everyone and that people will be able to work and make a living um, in diverse work workforce and that we will support our creative community and really have, you know, not become Seattle, but yeah. really just step into being Tacoma, you oh, know, love um, that. <laughs> and, and that we will use data 
disaggregated data. So really looking at like, not just do more people have jobs, but does everybody have access to the job? Whether you're Pacific Islander, African-American, Hispanic, like what does that look like for everybody? Mm -hmm. And that will let that data guide our decision-making and our policies. So that's it. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm really happy to know that this exists and that there's hardworking people like you making Tacoma a better place. I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much for listening to Citizen Tacoma podcast today. We are part of the Channel 253 network where you can also find the Move to Tacoma podcast as well as the Nerd Farmer podcast. And the Flounders B Team, Crossing Division, and Taco Man podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us about anything you've heard on the show today or if you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic, maybe there's something you've been wondering about that maybe we can investigate for you, please contact me at jennyjacobs253 at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at Citizen Tacoma. Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Jenny Jacobs and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.